This is the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bone Bee Orthopedic Podcast channel. The series is hosted by the chairs of the AOS Resident Assembly and features conversations on professional development and growth opportunities within the field of musculoskeletal healthcare. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Liana Tedesco, the new chair of the AOS Resident Assembly and the host of this episode of the AOS Career Podcast. Before we begin the show, I want to thank my predecessor, Dr. Austin Beeson, for leading the career podcast since we launched last year. His efforts have made this show a success, and I'm thrilled to be stepping into his shoes with my co-host, the new vice chair of the Resident Assembly, Dr. Daniel Cognetti. We'll be taking turns hosting episodes throughout the year. Through this new format, we hope to bring you even more great content and insights from leaders across our field. Now, on to the episode, which we recorded in March at the AOS annual meeting. This episode is part one of our influencer series with leaders in orthopedics. We do hope you enjoy. I am thrilled to be here live at the AOS annual meeting in Chicago with Dr. Keith Fetter, an orthopedic surgeon and winner of the AOS 2022 Humanitarian Award, which recognizes outstanding humanitarian efforts in the field of musculoskeletal care. Dr. Fetter founded the West Coast Sports Medicine Foundation to provide underserved student athletes access to high quality medical care, scholarships, and mentorship. We are honored to be speaking with him. Thank you, Dr. Fetter, for being here on our podcast. Pleasure. Nice to meet you. Can we just start off by you telling us a little bit about your backstory? Where did you grow up? What did your parents do? Sure. I grew up on Long Island. My father was an engineer, my mother a lawyer. I went to the University of Albany undergrad, played basketball and lacrosse, played football in high school, graduated from Albany, went to Downstate Medical School, internship residency at Downstate, and then went on to do two sports medicine arthroscopy fellowships, then migrated out to Los Angeles, Manhattan Beach, California to pursue playing sports and taking care of sports injuries. How did you know you wanted to be a physician or when did you know? Well, interesting story, and I think it's not uncommon that as a high school athlete, I had several injuries, including a broken femur while playing quarterback, and had to recover from those injuries. And my brother's friends, who were all college athletes, would come by and train. One who was very influential became an orthopedic surgeon. While he was in medical school, he used to come back during the summers and train. My brother became my role model for sports, toughness, training, and being goal-directed, and his friend Barry became my role model to become an orthopedic surgeon. So it was always orthopedics. You never dabbled or thought about any other specialty? Correct. Sounds like you had a good background to be an excellent sports medicine surgeon. Can you talk a little bit about what your practice looks like? What types of patients and pathologies are you taking care of? I have the typical kind of traditional sports medicine practice. I'm a treating physician, anything from adolescents to high school athletes, college athletes, professional athletes, and then the weekend warriors that keep us all in business. And then a little bit of general orthopedics, workers comp. I am a sports medicine doc, but a general orthopedist because I see everything. I see almost every musculoskeletal pathology and then refer them appropriately. Are you and your wife in practice together? We are. Oh, that's very exciting. It's very symbiotic. Dr. Fry, who's a phenomenally well-known foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon, handles everything in the foot and ankle. And then uh, everything above the ankle I take care of. And what's also very interesting and uh, rewarding is that we often operate together. 
Oh, that is so fun. I love that. So you are here at the annual meeting being honored with the Humanitarian Award, which is for physicians who have distinguished themselves through outstanding musculoskeletal related humanitarian activities in the U.S. or abroad. So you have been recognized for over 25 years of efforts in serving economically challenged student athletes and bringing healthcare access to underserved communities. Can you tell me a little bit about what prompted you to found the West Coast Sports Medicine Foundation? Well, I trained in New York, as I previously mentioned, and being at a public hospital downstate in Kings County, we did have a little bit of outreach there where we occasionally covered football games and found out that these kids were incredibly underserved. Unless they just happened to get to the right physician, they probably weren't getting the right care. And then when moving to California, as many aspiring sports medicine physicians do, you just go out to a couple of high schools and see if you can volunteer. So the first two high schools were inner city in Los Angeles, around Los Angeles, and we would cover the games. We found out many kids didn't have insurance at all, or they may have had Medi-Cal or Medicaid, which we know is not the best in the world. And we decided to try to correct that problem. I first partnered with Daniel Freeman Hospital, a nonprofit hospital. We started a program where we provided athletic trainers to six high schools, the hospital was providing supplementary health insurance, and we provided the care and the coverage of games, and we were engaging the community primary care physicians to help us cover games. I was later recruited by a for-profit hospital called Sentinella Hospital, and I suggested to them that if they wanted me to come over, that they would need to support this program. And they actually decided it was a good idea. So it increased to 27 high schools, 20,000 kids, and became really a fabulous program. In 1994, we founded the foundation to do fundraising and also to create a couple of fellowship programs. And so in the 2000s, we became independently funded. So we've been able to luckily and fortuitously continue the program going now almost 30 years. It's very close to my heart. These kids really need this. And it's not just the sports aspect, it's really about their life. These kids, you tear an ACL, unstable knee, unstable shoulder. Unless we fix that, they can't do other stuff they want to do in their life. So we're looking at it from two reasons. Number one, to get them back to play, but also to really supply the appropriate care. And most importantly, is the kids in the inner city need something to do. Sports is the best. And it teaches them be a teammate to socialize, be goal-directed, to work hard, to attend school every day, get good grades. And that is the key to their success going forward. That's the base of the foundation. But along the way, we decided that it was very important to create the Scholar-Athlete Award of Excellence, where we recognized the most outstanding male and female athlete from each high school that showed scholarly achievement, community service, and lastly, athletic achievement. Then we decided, well, this is not enough. So we started to raise money for scholarships. Out of these now 30 to 40 kids that we're recognizing, we pick up to nine a year and give them a one-year college scholarship to get them started. And maybe the most important part of our program is the mentoring program. At each high school, we supply a certified athletic trainer that we fund, at least on a part-time basis, to take care of the kids at the schools. We teach kids to be the assistant to the athletic trainer anatomy, physiology, injury recognition, injury diagnosis, injury treatment, train them off-site, and then reinsert them at the high school where they attend, and they became the assistant to the athletic trainer. 
So this mentoring program, I think, is maybe the most outstanding thing we do, actually, in the general sense. A hundred percent of the kids that attend our mentoring program have graduated high school. We do 400 kids a year, and the vast majority go on to attend college. That's amazing. It's really providing us something to people who need it, and it's not easy to do. So the mentoring also, it's not just student-athletes. Any student can attend it, and we don't limit either using our medical services or the mentoring program to kids in our quote-unquote program. If a kid gets online, wants to sign up, it's all comers and no charge. That's the key, right? Giving them resources that they can't otherwise afford. Has anyone become a doctor or a surgeon through this program? We have ooh, at least a half a dozen medical school graduates. One interesting and very high profile is the head athletic trainer for the LA Sparks, Courtney Watson, came through our program. She's also the trainer for USA Women's Basketball. We have many of them. That's a good example. She's very well known. And she often speaks at our events to give direction and really mentoring to these kids to move forward on the medical side. That's great. Do any of the kids who've been through the program come back and mentor? Yes. Very often the kids, especially who have gone on to medical school, will come back. And we have many athletic trainers who graduated from our mentoring program, became certified, and they'll come back and actually participate and help us teach at the mentoring camps. You have obviously accomplished so much and have so much success with this endeavor. What challenges have you faced Number one is it takes a lot of time to just provide the care for the kids. We actually have during football season, we have every Saturday during high school football, we have an extra clinic on Saturdays because in California, they play on Friday nights. So we see them right away. And so that's another time commitment. But what's great is through our network, what we do is to get all the games covered, we have PM&R residents, we have primary care residents, orthopedic residents. So we're able to partially staffed the clinic with all these volunteers, and I oversee it. And a very good friend of mine named William Hole, Dr. Hole, who is a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, does sports medicine, has been with me doing it for about 20 years. So we oversee the clinic, and we want them to learn something. So we allow them to be the first examiner as, you know, in any residency program. And then we try to teach them the right thing. I don't know how you have time to do all of this and have a busy orthopedic practice. But I guess the question I'd have now is, what's next for the foundation? Do you have any new programs on the horizon? Foundation's ongoing. And the other challenge, as you asked earlier, obviously is funding. We do two fairly large events a year. We have one called a Legends event where we've honored Bill Russell, Shaquille O'Neal, UCLA basketball, USC football. And then the attendees get to meet the athletes and hopefully they buy a lot of stuff at our auction. And then we have a second large fundraiser, about 400 people. At this fundraiser, it's cool. We actually have the scholar athletes come, their families come. We award the check there. So it's a great motivator. The families see what's going on. These kids are wonderful. They're all 4-0 students, all this crazy, great stuff. And so hopefully that motivates the attendees to support what we do. Yeah, it's great. I think when you're talking about fundraising, seeing where your money is going or to whom it's going is really important. My goal, and we've been doing it for 30 years, my goal is to really have this an ongoing. And so we need to identify younger orthopedic surgeons that would want to uh, take the mantle, so to speak. What I'm hoping, and one of the things I'm really glad to do this, is that I hope listening to this podcast, that younger orthopedic surgeons, we get inspired, honestly, to do something like this. The kids need it. The need is there. 
we have the resources. People just have to feel that they want to give back to the community. That's the main focus on receiving this award. I want it to motivate and inspire. Absolutely. What advice would you give to someone who's early in their career and they want to get involved in something like this or maybe start their own version of it? The one thing I want to say about developing a practice, there's an old saying, there's availability, affability, and ability. And every physician should understand that. Every orthopedic surgeon should understand that. Now, in terms of developing a relationship to carry out philanthropic work, you have to want to take that extra time. You have to tell your family, we're doing this for the right reason. Without my wife, Dr. Carol Fry, who's also an orthopedic surgeon, I could never have carried this out. Besides doing this, I've been all over the world doing all these sports medicine things, and she's been the rock that's allowed me to do it, and she's also on the board, and she takes care of the kids, our kids, but also the kids in the program. <laughs> so it's been just a gratifying situation. Overall, the young orthopedic surgeon just needs to want to do it, because you're not going to be turned down, most likely, to come out and support high schools or middle schools or whatever level of sports you want to engage in. It's unlikely you're going to be turned down to engage in that. Yeah. I think having your family as part of this program is great because work-life balance, I think, is truly a misnomer. It's really about integrating everything. And to see that you've been able to do that with your wife and your family and create such an impactful change in your community is wonderful. I've been lucky to have a partner like Carol. It's obviously unusual and rare to have a husband and wife in the same field of orthopedics. We're very symbiotic. Carol's much more famous than me, and I let her do all that stuff. Maybe after this podcast, your fame will rise. So one thing Dr. Guy mentioned today was a little bit about your advocacy work in California working on some bills. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved? That's a very interesting story. The chairman of the board of my foundation is a gentleman named Richard Katz, who, when he was in office, was the Democratic leader of the Assembly, State Assembly. We know that athletic trainers are critical in sports, taking care of these kids. They're like another physician before they get to us. And it's sad that in California, there's no specific financial support. In the last few years, it's been getting better. But going back in 01, I went up to Sacramento multiple times. We went around to all the legislators. We had great support. We actually passed the bill. It was crazy that we got it passed. However, the economy in California was not so hot, and it never got fully funded. We're actually now maybe looking at going back and uh, revisiting it because of the prosperity California's had in their funding right now. That's great. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about your career in general. So if you had one do-over in your career, is there something that you would do differently and why? Uh, one in terms of my career, honestly, career-wise, not really, but probably spending a little more time with the family. Carol was the rock, really providing the nurturing and oversight and relationships with the kids, where I probably would have liked to have spent a little more time on that side. On the professional side, I think everything's gone fairly well. I don't have any real issues that I would precipitously change. I think that's probably a good way to think about it. Obviously, not every day can be amazing. What, on your worst day, like how do you handle that kind of stress? I think that orthopedic surgeons as a whole and probably the physician community, even at a greater whole, should feel blessed that what we do every day. 
besides making a good to great living, we're helping people every day. And I think the only stress that uh, comes in from my point of view is that no physician's 100%. When there's issues with your patients, you just got to work them out. And I think every physician, especially orthopedic surgeons or surgeons in general, have a day where we need to take care of this. And so hopefully you are trained properly and use the right thought process or call the right consultant and get it handled. Right. Taking responsibility is the most important thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Often physicians don't take the right responsibility for certain things that happen to their patients. And as long as you take that full responsibility and either handle it yourself or make the right call, you're doing the right thing. We're at this great meeting and then we're meeting all our colleagues and these famous orthopedic surgeons. For me as a resident, I think what's great to see is my mentors, people I look up to are just trying to take care of patients. And that is at the heart of what we do. It's great to hear that's how you think about it as well. Can you tell us about the most influential person in your life? Who's your hero? Besides Carol, of course. Personally, my older brother who passed away almost two years ago really gave me the toughness quotient. Toughness, goal direction, achieving goals was instilled on me at a young age and basically not to give up until you've achieved what you're moving towards. And then the other gentleman who I mentioned was my role model to become a physician. He sadly passed away a long time ago. But again, besides Carol, those are two people who push me where I am. And in fact, I still play a high level of sports right now. It all goes hand in hand. That, again, as we spoke earlier, the whole sports environment for me encouraged me to do the work with the kids. Sports has given you so many things. Your career, your drive, your motivation, your philanthropic work. What do you think the most important things are to know in life? Someone listening to this podcast, what's the one piece of advice you'd give them besides the three A's? Another good question. I think that you need to look at life from the overview, the big view first. See where you want to go and what you want to do. And then you narrow it down to how you want to move forward with that. Have a plan. The plan, I think, is critical. For example, you as a resident, you're networking here. You have mentors. You decide what maybe so special you want to do. Decide possibly you want to do a fellowship. Then you go meet those fellowship directors. Have a plan. I think that's the takeaway. Being named an AOS awardee speaks to the legacy that you're building. If you had a sentence or two to say what you want your legacy to be, how would you describe it? I'm incredibly honored and gratified to receive the award. What I really want this to do is for everybody to see that a program that we have here in the United States, California, focusing on the inner city at-risk youth, that this situation exists everywhere in the United States, and it can't be ignored. Hopefully my example, or really the example of the West Coast Sports Medicine Foundation, can be copied as many times as possible across the country it just takes want. As a physician, as an orthopedic surgeon, if you want to do something like this, you can do it. It's a little more disciplined on private practice, but especially the institution, academic institutions who do have good funding have to put aside ROI. This is not a return on investment in a monetary sense, but it's a return on investment in the bigger sense, in the social sense, in the benefit sense. If they can see clear to engage their residents to do this, at the end of the day, they're going to be very happy. That's excellent. So thank you, Dr. Feder, for speaking with me today. This has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot about what you do and what motivates you and makes me want to go start this in New York. 
if someone wants to get involved with the foundation or with your program, how can they do that? They can just go on the websites, westcoastsportsmedicine.org. There's also an 800 number, but if they go online, they can get all the information. It's a pretty good website and love to have more people and physicians involved. If anyone wants any advice and direction, we're happy to provide that. Thank you again, Dr. Fetter, for being here with us and talking with me. It's been a pleasure and an honor, and I am uh, quite thankful to be invited on, and hopefully uh, we can inspire some of the young orthopedic surgeons out here in the United States. Thank you for listening to this episode of the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bombi Orthopedic Podcast channel. For more information on this topic and to hear other conversations on professional development, please visit aos.org forward slash the bone beat.